Welcome to Lakeside Church's Message Podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. All right, welcome to Lakeside Church. We're so glad you guys are here today. We have, um, we're in week three of a series that we're doing on Ephesians. And we're really excited about this book and about what God is teaching us. And so if you're just jumping in with us today, I want to spend a few minutes catching you up to kind of where we are so you can kind of know where we're at and then go forward within um, the verses. And you're always um, encouraged to go back and listen to the other messages so that you can hear kind of what we've talked about and how it's tying together and encourage you to read the book along with us because we think you're going to get a lot out of it. All right, so the book of Ephesians was written by Paul to the city of Ephesus. And and a few things about Ephesus, it was a very powerful city, probably the third biggest in Rome, the biggest in the Asian part of Rome. It was the market capital of Roman Asia, very wealthy, had a huge temple there um, dedicated to Diana that was like a fertility god, a uh, sex god, and and everything in the uh, city was built around that, kind of like in Orlando, everything is built around Disney World. You go there, you see a lot of Mickey Mouse and buy Mickey Mouse shirts and and hats and things like that, tickets and kind of the economy is is built around that. Well, so the economy in Ephesus was built around this pagan idol and Paul goes there and he starts a church which is 12 guys and spends a few years teaching in the city and the whole city it says got turned upside down that people stopped buying these idols because they they had the big temple there and then they would they would encourage you to come and worship at this sex temple and then take your own idol home like your souvenir almost and and people People weren't doing it anymore and they were losing money and so the city was upset and it was a very large city with a mixed population built around this this temple where where deity and financial things were all tied up and they dragged Paul into the city and there's um, probably 24 25,000 people screaming in this amphitheater at the Christians about what they're doing and so Paul has to leave the city And eventually, later on, he writes a letter back to the Christians that stayed there. And in verses 1 and 2, he calls them saints and faithful. They believed in Christ Jesus in chapter 1 of Ephesus. And... And that's who this book is written to, to the saints and the faithful in Christ. And he and he goes on and he prays some blessing. And he uh, last week we talked about how they were sealed with the Holy Spirit and how being sealed is, is being protected, just like you would build a deck out of wood and then you would put some sealant on it so that the elements don't get in there and destroy it and cause it to... Um, to become broken and, and worn down and, and, you know, toys uh, at the store. You know, I know that I go to the store and I'll buy my kids things and, you know, you wind up having these toys that are just ridiculously wrapped and packaged and, and you can't get them out and you need knives and there's twist ties and plastic things because they don't want people to steal the toys. Uh, uh, sealing is a protection and we seal food to put it away and keep it safe so that it lasts. Last longer, and that's what God does to you with the Holy Spirit. You're sealed. He's given you the Spirit to protect you and to, to keep you safe and to keep you fresh, and, and and that's why He's given you the Spirit. And so we're going to go into chapter 
um, in, into the book in verse 15, and we're going to continue reading, and it says, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith and of your love um, and to the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, um, that the God of our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And so what was the reason? Because Paul starts off for this reason. What was the reason? Well, that they're saints, they're faithful, and they're sealed with the Spirit. And because of that, Paul's praying for them. In Christ, they were sealed with the Spirit. You can write that in in your notes. Is That was the reason. They were in Christ. They were sealed with the Spirit. And so what does he pray? And that's in verse 18. And it says, I pray that the eyes of your hearts will be enlightened so that you will know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of the power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. So he, he's praying um, that that your heart would be enlightened, that the spirit in verse 17, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him would come to you and that your hearts would be enlightened. You know, light, what does light do? Light doesn't create anything necessarily, but it shows what's already there. And so here you have people that are sealed with the spirit protected and God's given them the spirit and then Paul prays that the spirit of wisdom and the revelation would enlighten their hearts you know uh, nowadays we have we have uh you know lights on our cell phone man I have light on my watch I think it's an amazing um thing you know I could walk around click a button and I have a flashlight on my watch but, you know, back in the day, you know, you had to figure out where, where did you leave the flashlight? Is it on top of the fridge? Is it under the cabinet? Because if you're walking around in the dark, you can't see things. Even in your own house sometimes where you know where everything is, um, you know, you're like, oh, let me be careful. Let me get a light. Let me see what I already know is there. Even though I've walked down this hallway and up these stairs a hundred times, let me put the light on. And that's um, what he's praying for, is that even though you have the spirit, I'm praying that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would enlighten your hearts. And, and that brings us to a, a very important point is there is more than one experience with the spirit. See, these guys had been sealed with the spirit. And then Paul is praying that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would enlighten their hearts. The Holy Spirit is not a one time deal. It's not. It never was. Acts chapter 2, when we see the Spirit visiting the church, he comes in power and glory and fire, and people are getting saved and transformed. And by Acts chapter 4, they're asking God for more. And that's the heart we need to have for each other, that we're, we're constantly asking God for more. And we're asking God to reveal things to us and to show us things that are already there, because that's what light does. Light doesn't create the coffee table. Light shows you the coffee table's there so you can put your drink down on it and not spill it. There's more than one experience. And also he prays, he says, I want you to know the immeasurable greatness of his power. 
God's power is great and it's immeasurable. You can never measure it. It is beyond our understanding. And God wants you to know how great his power is. Like God's spirit is in you, the one who created the universe that lives in you if you're a believer in Christ. And it's great. And you can't measure it. You can't measure it in joules or kilowatts. It's, it's a completely different thing. And God wants you to know. He wants to shine light on it so you can know what's already there in Christ. There's more than one experience with the Spirit. Verse 20. It's that immeasurable great power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. See, not only did he raise Christ from the dead, which would have been awesome if he stopped there. You know, it would have been awesome if he stopped on the cross when he died for our sins. But he raised him from the dead to give proof, to give evidence that the cross worked. But then Christ was raised. Christ, the word who became flesh, was raised to the right hand of the Father. That's a position of authority. The right hand of the king meant that, that you were his, his man, his, his, the one who, who, who he honored and the one he showed respect to. Today we don't have kings. We don't have a throne where people sit at the right hand to demonstrate that th authority. But we have like the office of the CEO, who might work for the owner. The owner owns the company, but the CEO runs the company. He's sitting behind the wooden desk, mahogany or some fancy wood with a pen and paper and a computer, and, and he runs things. If Paul was writing today, he might have given a description like that, something like that to show us the authority you know, and he's, Christ is sitting there and that's how great above every power. See, the higher you are, the greater your advantage in war, in anything you want the highest position because that normally you, means you win. You, you know, that's why we wanted to get into the air first and we want to get into space first or back in the day, they wanted to get to the top of the mountain first, top of the hill first, because that's the place of power and Christ is above everything else. In verse 22, it says he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So verse 22, all things are under his feet. So there's this image of not only is he at the right hand of God in the position of authority or behind the CEO's mahogany desk, is everything is under his feet. Now let me tell you something. If I put my feet on you, like I'm over you, I've won, the battle is done. If you get in a fight with somebody and they're standing on top of you, they've won. And everything is under Christ's feet. And that means he's completely victorious over everything we might face. And so we know how powerful he is by what he did in Christ. He demonstrated his power by raising him from the dead, putting him at the right hand of the Father, the position of authority, and then putting everything under his feet. And then he gave him to us. He gave Christ to us. We have been given more 
than we realize. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1, we'll keep on. It says, we were dead in our trespasses and sins in which we once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were once dead, but we've been brought to life in Christ. His power brings us from death to life. You can write that in, death to life. That's what baptism is about. It's symbolizing that we've been brought from death to life. What is death described as? Death is described as a life of sin and trespass. Sin is missing the mistake. Trespass and sin is like a mistake, missing the mark. You know, and that's what death is. It's missing the mark. If, if, if your brain were to, to make a mistake and turn off or your heart or your liver or your kidneys, um, you die. And, and every sin, every trespass is death because we're, we're not living as we were created to live. Death is also described as being a follower of the prince of the power of the air, um, the one who is against God, who wants to kill you, following the enemy. The enemy, he um, uses the desires, the sinful desires in our heart, and he tempts us, and he, he causes us to go farther in the sin. And, and I didn't say this, but I think it's true, is sin will take you farther than you wanted to go and keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And, and when we sin and when we trespass and when we're dead, we are following the desire of the enemy. And then continues, it says, death is described as carrying out the desires of the body. Just because our desires are for something doesn't make it right. We've been confused. We've been, we've been um, you know, um, um, bamboozled. I like that word. It's funny. But we think that just because we want to do something that it's right and that's not true that's not that's not good you know the body wants things that sometimes aren't right um why is it that my body wants to stay up at night and stay asleep in the morning that's not right that's not good for me you know there's no better sleep than between the first and second snooze it just feels so good but my, my bank account is telling me to get up and my body is telling me to sleep. Or, or your body can tell you to eat more than you should. Your body says, get four or five pieces of pizza. They're good. They're delicious. But it's not good for you. It's killing you. It's death. And so we keep going on in, chapter, in verse 4 of chapter 2. It says, but God being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive. So we're not dead in Christ. We are alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For I, by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It's a gift of God and not a result of work so that no one may boast. Man, we are seated with Christ. We have been given life. What is life described as grace? Grace is something you don't deserve. We don't deserve life, but we've been given life. 
Mercy is, is not getting what you do deserve. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. It would have been awesome enough if God just gave us mercy, but he's rich in mercy and he gives us grace as well. It's a good deal we got. He got death and we get life. Life is also described as being raised and seated with Christ. God has seated us in Christ at his right hand. We are in a position of power and authority and the enemy is under our feet because that we are with Christ and the enemy is under Christ's feet. This book is written as, as, a, as a book of spiritual warfare. And that's the warfare. It's not about yelling at the enemy. It's about being seated in Christ. It's about being your position. Life is also described as us being a display of God's immeasurable riches. God wants to show off how good and how kind he is by the richness of his grace displayed in our lives. And, you know, people say, you know, wow. What are we going to do in heaven? And it's going to be eternal. And how does that work? And God is beyond time. And, and eternity is going to work different than time works here. But I can just imagine for all of eternity, God is displaying the riches, the unmeasurable, unending riches of his grace on each other. And, and we'll look at God and we'll just be like, whoa, God is so good. And then we'll look at each other. If we ever get our eyes off God for a second and we'll see God's grace and mercy like expressed in each other. And I'll look at you and I'll be like, God is so good. Look what he's done to you. Whoa. And you look at me and say, oh my gosh, look what he's done for you. Whoa. It'll be a moment of pure joy and pure wonder that will never end because we'll never fully comprehend the immeasurable riches of his grace. Just when we think we got it, there'll be more. Life raises us from the earthly realm into the heavenly realm where we're not bound by our fleshly desires or by being followers of the prince of the power of the air. Verse 10, it says, We are his workmanship and created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, God has prepared things, and, and earlier on it said that we should not boast. It's all of grace. Like, we don't boast. There's nothing to brag about. It's nothing that we did. We're just seated with Christ, and we follow God's plan. I have this app on my phone that is it's like this piano game, and it has like five keys. And, and if you push the keys when the thing drops, there's little balls that drop. If you push the keys in the right order as the ball drop at the right time and hold them for the right amount of time, like you'll play a song, but you can't boast in that. There's nothing to brag. Somebody else has created this. You're just playing along and they're telling you exactly what to do. And you're just putting your fingers in the right place. You know, my kids will be like, daddy, watch this. And they're like, dun, 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 dun. And I'm like, awesome. But you can't boast. I'll celebrate with you, but... You know, you didn't write that, honey. I mean, I don't say that to him, but I'm, but like, that's the truth. Like, it's fun. You can follow along and you can be happy you did it right. But, 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 but you didn't write it and you didn't make the code to make those balls drop. And you can't even play Beethoven with four keys. At least I think that. I mean, I'm not a musician. But it, it's something that was created beforehand and you're just walking in it. 
And that's what following God is, is his power equips us for the works that he has created for us. See, God's immeasurable power. He does things in us and to us, and then he wants to do things through us. And that's my, my encouragement for you is, is walk in the things that God has created for you to do. Like he's done all this stuff. And Paul's writing this to a people that were under immense pressure from their society and from their culture to shut up and to be quiet and to keep Christ away and out of the public sphere. sphere. But he had created them for it and given them the power to do it. Would you bow your heads with me and pray? Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>